polls, that means I need to say something. Um, if you're just joining us now, uh, thank you for joining us. Um, I know that I didn't get to say good morning to everybody, so good morning to you if you are visiting today. We are so honored that you would visit us on this holiday weekend. Um, happy Independence Day, America. Um, what a blessing we have to live in this country. We are so blessed to live here. Well, if you have not joined us uh, throughout our series, we are on the Ten Commandments. You probably figured that out from the uh, the little videos that we've had playing throughout this morning. Um, and really, this whole series was just birthed out of my desire to, um, as we entered into this this COVID season, knowing that we would have kids joining parents during the message, uh, I wanted to uh, speak at all levels. So whether you are a young child who can barely comprehend the words that I'm speaking, or you've been around uh, church world for a long time, I believe that this message could apply to everyone here today. And so today we are on week six. So we covered already five weeks. We already have half of them behind us. We have half of them to go. And today's commandment is a pretty simple one. It's straight to the point, And it is from Exodus 20, verse 13, where God tells Moses, you must not murder. Everybody you must not murder. Yeah. Oh, no. Here we go. I knew it. It was just a matter of time. Welcome back, Bobby. And um, that's Sally. Yeah, that's I'm going to show Billy Bob and them boys something. Yeah, we're going to show them something. Me and Uncle Bubba are going to show them something. Bob. What? What's going on? You seem angry. I am angry. Why? Because, you know, I had the sheep I was raising for the fair. Yeah. Well, Billy Bob and them boys took it, and they painted it green and yellow. It's the most hideous thing you've ever seen. Oh, Bobby, that's not good. What are you going to do? Well... Uncle Bubba said to go get Daddy's tools, and we're going to take their tractor apart and put it together on the roof. That sounds like a lot of work. Well, yeah, but we got to get back at them. Yeah, but Bobby, if you read the Bible, it tells us that we can't hate people and that we should love even our enemies. But they could have painted the sheet purple. At least then maybe it would have got second place or something. Well, I guess it depends on the judges. Where are they from? I don't know. Oh. Well, either way, Bobby, we're not supposed to get back at people when they do bad things to us. We're supposed to love them and pray for them and show them love like God shows us. So I could pray that Billy Bob and the boys get hit by a bus? Well, no, not quite. That's That would still kind of be getting back at them, okay. even though you're not doing it. Okay, well, I'm going to put Daddy's tools back. Don't tell Dad I was touching his tools. Cause, oh, I will Because I'll end up on a chair for a lot of hours Yeah, again. you will. Yeah, I will. Yeah, okay. That, that stool got put away, and we don't want to take it back out. Well, maybe I'll go talk to Uncle Bubba, and we'll just go talk to Billy Bob and them boys. Yeah, I and, think that's a much better idea. Okay. All I still right. think it'd be fun to put his tractor on the roof, though. It would be funny, but we can't do that. Okay. Okay. Just Oops. don't tell Dad, okay? I won't tell Dad. Okay. Oh, awesome job. Bobby and Sally, once again. Showing us how to follow our Ten Commandments, sometimes not quite appropriately, but for the most part, they, they figure it out at the end. Well, today, as we dig into this Sixth Commandment, uh, we're going to be trying to hone in, not necessarily on, you know, the murder part, but on the 
principle of it. And as you can see up on the screen, the big idea today, the main point is anger annihilates, love liberates. Now, for some of you in here today, maybe you're a little bit younger and you've never heard of some of these words, but annihilates were taken to mean destroys today. Okay, so anger destroys and love sets free. Liberates is to set free. So every time you hear this sound, hey, what's the big idea? You're going to have to help me out, everybody. Stand to your feet and say, anger annihilates, love liberates. Very nice. Good job. And I know, I don't know where all the kids are at today, but maybe they're still sleeping in after a late night of fireworks last night. Um, but um, we're, we're short of a few of our kids, so adults, we're going to really need you to, to pipe it up for those kids who aren't here today. So today, as we journey through this, this message, we're going to understand that murder is way more than an action. Murder is something that comes from within the heart. And we see this perfectly in the accounts of Jesus in Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 and 22, where, where he's telling his, his followers at the time what this, this message of the, of the Ten Commandments really is. And he says to his followers, you have heard that our ancestors were told you must not murder. Commandment number six. And if you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. But I say Jesus clarifies this and really points to the heart of the matter and says that even if you're angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. Murder is more than an outward act. Murder is an a, a thing that we do that starts within the heart. As we've come hey, to find out... what's the big idea? We're going to get you awake tonight on the count of three. One, two, three. Love liberates. <sighs> that thing is just, it's always interrupting me. I don't understand. Who does this? So what causes anger, though? I mean, we, we, we don't have to argue with Jesus, right? I mean, if Jesus says something... We know it's true. So when he says that anger comes from within the heart, we're not going to argue. We don't need any more proof. We know that it comes from within the heart. It's something that is birthed inside of us. But where does it come from? What causes anger? Now, today I'm just going to give you three reasons why we get angry. There's way more than this, okay? And I'm not even saying that these are the main culprits or that this might be what you struggle with most. I'm just saying that these are three causes that that we could point to that really are the crux of why people get angry or frustrated or maybe hate somebody. So the first one is comparison. Simply put, you have something that I want. It's the case of jealousy. You see your neighbor and they have that perfect grass, right? And you're like, man, I just don't have time for that. And it gets underneath your skin. And maybe they get the new lawnmower with it. And you're like, man, if I had a nice lawnmower like that, my yard probably would look a lot better too. If I had the sprinkler system like that, I would have much better. And pretty soon, you start comparing. And you compare not only to your neighbor, but maybe to your brother or sister or coworker or boss. Before you know it, you're comparing to everybody and you get jealous and you have this underlying tone of, if, if only I had that opportunity, 
I could be in a better place. We see this in the Bible as well. In Genesis chapter 37, uh, particularly verse 3 and 4, we read the story of Joseph. Now, many of you have heard the story many times, and this is old news to you. But for some people today, this might be the first time they've ever heard this story. And really, Joseph was the second youngest of his brothers, right? And in this culture of, of Israel, way back, way before Jesus ever existed, these people had a system. And the oldest was supposed to be the favored one, who was supposed to get everything given to them. But Joseph was like second to last. He wasn't supposed to be the favored one. The firstborn was. But for some reason, Jacob loved him more than his other siblings. And he proved it by giving him extra things and beautiful things. And so in this passage, we're going to read that. And we're going to see the response of the brothers to how Jacob treated Joseph. So verse 3 of chapter 37 in Genesis, we read, Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his children. Why? Because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So one day, Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe. But his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. They couldn't say a kind word to him. And if you know the story, of course, what happens, Joseph gets thrown into a pit, sold off to slavery, and God works all things out for good through it. But it wasn't necessarily the way Joseph had wanted it to go, or Jacob for that matter. But it's that comparison. The brothers were comparing what they had to what Joseph had, and it caused anger. In fact, they almost killed him, right? So number two, we see that the cause of anger could also be differences. Differences. What do I mean by that? It could be in culture. If you've ever went to a, a different culture, you see that they do things differently. If you've been on a missions trip, you've been uncomfortable maybe when you go to a foreign land and they do things different. Sometimes some of the things that they do are so different than yourself that it causes you to get angry sometimes. Sometimes we see this in beliefs. Could be in faith. It could be just in how you live your life. Somebody lives their life a little differently and their beliefs aren't your beliefs. It could be values. It could be a political belief. How in the world could you think like that? How could you vote like that? And it causes anger. I mean, we see that and it's just beginning to ramp up right now, of course, as the elections are approaching and we're going to have both sides throwing darts at each other. It's going to be ugly. It gets people angry. It gets people within the church even angry. How could you vote for somebody like that? How could you speak against that person? It's simple. We look and we act and we think differently. There's not a single person in this world who's going to think like you, believe like you. And then pretty soon we let those differences get in between us and divide us. When we should be talking. Again, we see this in the Bible, in the book of Acts chapter 6. Now, if you don't know the early church history, the Jewish people were the ones that where Jesus came from, that belief system. And they believed in the one true God and all the other religions around them had a plethora of different beliefs and different gods. And, and so when Jesus came, he spoke to those people. And those people came to faith in Jesus. They believed that he truly was the Messiah that, that had been predicted in the Old Testament. The, the, the part of the Bible that was before Jesus. 
And so they get saved. But then so do other people. So other people say, man, this this Jesus is truly God. He truly came to save the world. And so we have different faiths coming in and believing in Jesus. And it was a great thing. However, the Jewish people didn't know what to do with it. These Jewish Christians were like, how do we, how do we, how do we deal with this? These are pagan people that believe in other gods and other believing in Jesus. How do we live this way? How, how can they be a part of the family of God? And we see this exact thing lived out in, in how the widows were treated. In Acts 6 verse 1, we read, but as the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. There's a lot underneath that statement, I believe. And this came out through the Greek-speaking believers complaining about the Hebrew-speaking believers, now the pagans and the Jewish believers, that is, saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. So those who were not formerly part of the Jewish faith were not getting maybe as much food for the widows as the Jewish people were. And of course, we this is not the only example we have in the book of Acts. Uh, God absolutely confronts Peter in the book of Acts about his belief of speaking to those outside of the Jewish faith about Jesus. And so this is not an uncommon thing in our world. This isn't just something that's happened recently in our culture where we're so divided and polarized that we can't talk to each other. This has happened for a long time. Differences within the church are rampant. And it causes anger, it causes church splits, it causes people to no longer be a part of a church because of beliefs, because of differences. And then the third way, and maybe the most common I would say, is unforgiveness. Unforgiveness causes anger. You did something I didn't like, or you did something that totally ruined my reputation. Genesis 27, verse 41. This is now before Joseph, his dad and his uncle, Esau and Jacob, they, they had a little bit of uh, unforgiveness going on, right? If you know the story, uh, Esau was the firstborn. Again, was supposed to get all the blessings, all the favor. Everything was supposed to be passed on to Esau, the firstborn. Somehow or another, Jacob weaseled his way in, not once, but twice, to inherit what was supposed to be Esau's. And Esau got very ticked. And we read in verse 41 and following, from that time on, after Jacob got his last thing from his brother, Esau hated Jacob because their father had given Jacob the blessing. And Esau began to scheme. I will soon be mourning my father's death. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. But Rebecca heard about Esau's plan, so she sent for Jacob and told him, Listen, Esau's coming himself, or consoling himself, by plotting to kill you. So listen carefully, my son. Get ready and flee to my brother Laban in Haran. Stay there with him until your brother cools off. Hey, what's the big idea? Stand to your feet and say, Anger. So we have comparison, we have differences, and we have unforgiveness. 
They may not lead you to murdering like Esau was about to do. But the damage is lasting. Anger that isn't confronted and dealt with will destroy a person. Will destroy relationships. And it can even destroy a relationship with God the Father himself. I love how Ann Landers put it when she said, Hate or anger which leads to that hate is like acid. It can damage the vessel in which it is stored as well as destroy the object on which it is poured. It destroys you and it destroys others at the same time. It'll destroy relationships. It'll destroy you emotionally. But I think more important than anything else is it's going to destroy you spiritually. Listen to Ephesians 4, 26 and 27 where Paul says to his followers, don't let, don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. In verse 27, this is the power of it right here. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. He will weasel his way into your life and start ripping apart at the seams in every way he can. And soon he'll take over your heart. Anger will destroy your relationship with each other and with God. Do it, Liam. One more time. I know you're Hey! What's the big idea? Why not? I can't promise you that'll be the last time. So let's talk about the solution, okay? We know this, okay? Anger is from the enemy. We all are going to get angry from time to time. That, that, is, that is part of being human. We live in a fallen world where people are going to do stuff to us, where we're going to see other people and what they have and we're going to want and it's going to get underneath our skin. We are going to deal with this. Some of you, maybe you have a little bit more of a hot temper than others. Thank you very much. I'll join you with that. But how do we deal with it? And I'll be honest with you right now. Outside of the help of the Holy Spirit, I don't think we have a solution. I'm going to say that right away. Outside of the power of the Holy Spirit given to you when you come to faith in Jesus, I don't believe anybody can truly overcome anger in their life. But when you do get the Holy Spirit inside of you, you have the power to work in these two areas that I will give you today. And the first one is forgiveness. In order to control anger, to control hatred, we have to experience, first and foremost, the forgiveness of the Father. But then we have to give that forgiveness to others. I absolutely love this story of Esau and Jacob. We're, we're not told exactly the details between where, where Jacob runs to his father-in-law slash uncle. We don't know what happens between that time period in Esau's life and when Jacob comes back to him. But something happened to him. And in verses 1 through 4 of chapter 33, we read, Then Jacob looked up and saw Esau coming with his 400 men. He is coming back. He's coming back to see his family again, to see his father before he passes away, to see his his nieces and nephews. And so he's coming back. And then he sees Esau coming with his 400 men. He's like, oh man, we are toast. 400 against my family, not a good idea. 
And so what did he do? He divided his children among Leah and Rachel and his two servant wives. He put the servant wives and their children at the front. (laughs) Why? Because they're the most disposable ones is what it is. Then Leah and her children, because he loved who? Rachel. So he put Rachel and Joseph last. He favored Joseph way back then already. Then Jacob went on ahead, and as he approached his brother, he bowed to the ground seven times before him. Then Esau ran, ran to embrace him, threw his arms around his neck and kissed him, and they both wept. I don't know how to explain the change in Esau's heart. Other than purely, it was an act of God inside him where he could forgive his brother. It's the only way. But he forgave him of stealing everything that was his. Now, we do know that Esau was pretty, he he did good in life. He got a lot of resources. You don't have 400 men underneath you without some kind of power and success in life. But the forgiveness he had towards his brother was very evident. Wrapped his arms around him, kissed him, welcomed him back as if nothing had ever happened. He forgave. And so was his anger removed. Romans twelve seventeen and 19 says this. Never pay back evil with more evil. Case closed right there. We've got to forgive. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone, even those who have wronged you deeply. Dear friends, never take revenge. I love this part. Leave that to the righteous, righteous, righteous anger of God. God gets angry too, but it's not in a sinful way like we have anger. The righteous anger of God. For scripture says, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. See, his perfect entity in in the form of Jesus, though he was mutilated and beat up and destroyed, hurt, I'm sure angry towards those who hurt him, he still forgave them. Corey Ten Boone, along the same lines, says this, Forgiveness is an act of the will. It's an act of the will. And the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. That is really good. Of all people who would go through something painful in life, she would understand. It's an act of the will. So even though you don't feel it, as she alludes to, even though you don't feel like forgiving, even though you still want to be angry, you still want to be hurt, you still want to just take out Billy Bob and them boys, even though you want to do that, you have to will it inside of yourself and say, Holy Spirit, I don't want to, and I sure can't without your help. I need to forgive those people who have hurt me or have done wrong, 
or those who have compared myself to or those who I don't understand and they do things different that just gets underneath my skin. I just want to take them, show them a thing or two. God, I have to be willing to get past that and forgive. It has to be intentional. And when you do, when you do, when you choose that, when you decide, when you say, I'm going to intentionally go to God and ask him for help, then he will give you the ability in your heart to change that from anger to love. One more time, Liam, I know it. Hey, what's the big idea? This is it. Last one. So when we get to that point, when we get to that point, when we say, I am going to forgive, I'm going to make that decision. And sometimes you, you may not have even realized that you have something against someone. You don't even realize that you're angry towards that person. But when God comes in and he reveals those things and you say, I know I need to change that. I know I need to forgive. When you do that, when you say, I'm going to do it, that's when the Holy Spirit comes in and he gives you the ability to love. Romans 12 goes on and says, after what we just read in verse 20, instead, once you've forgiven, once you've allowed God to take revenge, then if your enemies are hungry, then you will feed them. If they are thirsty, then you will give them something to drink. In doing this, you will keep burning coals of shame on their head. Not that that's what we're intending to do, but that is the result. When we love somebody, when they have wronged us, it puts all the guilt back on them. They know that they've done wrong. Even the worst of people know inside that there's something inside that they've done wrong. And when you love them, when they don't deserve it, it'll work in their hearts. God will do some amazing things. And then verse 21, I love this part, says... Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good, by loving. In the end, forgiveness and love will conquer hate. We know that. We know that in the end of all things, when we come to to see heaven on earth, or we get to be with Jesus someday, we know that love will conquer hate. There will be no evil in the presence of God for all of eternity. And so with that, we come to today's sword drill where Tina's going to uh, give you a really good verse that I'm excited about, probably one of my favorite verses. And uh, if you follow me on Facebook, you might have seen me post that this week, but I'll let her tell you what verse that is.
One of my favorite co-kids camp counselors here visiting, Miss Jolene. All right, if you want to read that for us. But I say unto you which, <clears throat> unto you which here, love your enemies, do good to them which hate you. Bless them that curse you and pray for them which despitefully use you. Thank you. Very good. All right. Oh, man. I just feel like going to kids camp now. Oh, my. Oh, my. Get the band back together. That's awesome. So one more time for everyone following along on the screen. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. And pray for those who hurt you. Did you get that? Love. Do good. Bless. And pray. Again, this is not something that, that you will be able to do on your own. But it takes your will to say, I'm going to do it. The Holy Spirit wants to work this morning in those areas that, that maybe have been locked inside of you for a long time. That you've been hiding or stuffing. The Holy Spirit wants to work. And I believe today that this is your day to experience freedom from something that's been locked inside for a long time. But first, before the Holy Spirit works, you have to say, I'm willing to allow you, Holy Spirit, to come inside and reveal that area in my life. And then you have to be willing to say to the Holy Spirit, I want to change that in my life. First, he has to reveal it to you, but for some people, you, you already know that thing that needs to be forgiven in your life or let go of in your life. But you still need the Holy Spirit to give you the strength to forgive and to even love that person, that group, whatever it might be. So that is what we're going to focus on today. As the worship team comes up, what is one area that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you about? Or maybe that you've come in with today and you don't even have to ask the Holy Spirit. You know what that area is in your life that you're holding on to. That you need to let go of. That you need to forgive and to love that person or group. What is it? I challenge you today to even write it down. We have papers in the back of the chairs that you can write this down on. And just for your own sake, just between you and God, you would write that down and you would say, this is the area that I am allowing the Holy Spirit to change in my life so that you have that so that you could see it the rest of this week, the rest of this year. Maybe post it on a mirror, put it in your car, put it in your wallet, in your purse where you can remember daily, weekly, monthly, that I've given up this anger towards this person or this group. 
Because when you do, I love how Martin Luther King Jr. put it. He says that when you do this, this hatred that paralyzes your life doesn't have to be there anymore. You can release it through love. Or when hatred confuses life, you can experience this love that harmonizes it. Or where this hatred darkens life, your love, God's love through you can illuminate it. And so, Father, as we come before you, Father, we don't want to live this life of confusion or darkness or paralysis, God. We, we want to experience the release and the freedom and the joy, the harmony, the love, the light that your Holy Spirit and forgiveness can unlock in our lives to those who have hurt us. Father, I thank you for your Holy Spirit that is here and for those who are willing through their own desires that you will work through and in them, Father. That those who will truly release themselves into your hands, you will speak to. It may not be in any way that what I've even spoken about today, God, you want to speak to every person individually right where they are. And so, Father, I pray that you will do so. I pray that every person listening, Father, will open up their heart and allow you to speak into their lives. In Jesus' name. Oh